Welcome to episode three of the Old Growth Podcast. I'm here with Julia and I'm Eric. Uh, this week we're talking about microplastics and plastics and all sorts of different plastics. So we wanted to start off by kind of like listing with just how many plastics are around us right now. Yeah. So I got like plastic on my phone, plastic in my phone. I got plastic buttons on my shirt. I have my tumbler has some plastic on the top. Uh, the microphones have got some plastic on. Actually, not a whole lot of plastic, but there is some plastic in them. Mm-hmm. Do you have extra plastic stuff? Um, yeah, the buttons on my shirt, my glasses, microphone, my laptop, my phone. Trying to see what else I have. Probably there's probably micro plastic fibers in my pants and my shirt too. And then the, the tag. rug on the floor is plastic in it. My little figurines on the wall have plastic. The firefly firefly figurines I got. The T um, remote. The uh, stereo has plastic. We there's there's a lot of plastic. You get the point. Um, <laughs> But uh, they're pretty ubiquitous. They're everywhere. It's a very handy builder, you know, building material to use. It's easy to form it into stuff. Has a lot of different applications and uses. Unfortunately, it also doesn't break down like at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I first learned like in detail about this at the recent talk um, with. Oh yeah. Um- Dr. Mason? Uh, with, with Dr. Mason. Right. Or at the Trek. And she talked about how plastics don't uh, break down. They just break apart into finer and finer bits and pieces. So, you know, when you have something that's biodegradable, uh, natural processes can break it down chemically and to its, like, base parts mm-hmm. over time. In plastics, that's not what happens. So whenever you toss, throw away a plastic... It's just, you're just moving it somewhere else. You're not getting rid of it or, you know, destroying it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can become a significant problem over time as it is now. Um, and so there's a lot of different movements trying to work to uh, reduce the use of plastic. Um, the major one nowadays is single-use plastics. Those are the big thing they're trying to deal with, uh, particularly like straws and water bottles and things like that. Um Medical waste—that's uh, a big one. I mm-hmm. heard of that. It was kind yeah. of an interesting and difficult yeah. problem to deal with because you both want something to uh, be safe and hygienic, but then on the other hand, a lot of that stuff is, you know, very hazardous waste. Uh, not only just by being medical waste, but also by being plastics. Yeah, everything in our society has trade-offs, and I think plastics are a really good example of that because we have this really useful product, but it's not good for our environment yeah and one of the um recent ones that really got some uh attention were microbeads Mm -hmm. and these were used in like health and beauty products and soaps and stuff um we have a link here uh there's a couple of them one of the good one here is from the uh great lakes uh dot org the microbead menace uh did you want to talk about a little bit about that yeah so it just talks about is we are on Lake Erie in Erie, Pennsylvania. So this is just talking about how there's a lot of uh, tiny plastic microbeads that have been found in the Great Lakes, which is a huge freshwater resource. Um, so there's been, there were movements to ban microbeads, which were successful. 
And there is the Microbead Free Waters Act passed in 2015, which goes into effect fairly soon here. Uh, 20, yeah, for the rinse off cosmetics that are non prescription ju- drugs, the deadline is July 1st, 2018, which is in like three days. So, yeah, very current. Um, and some of the pictures they have here of the microbees, it does kind of like almost look like sand, just like really brightly colored sand. Mm-hmm. Um, but these will like fish will eat them and mistake them for food and stuff. It gets inside the fish and then, you know, you catch some fish and you fry them and then all of a sudden you're eating microbeads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's also a bit of an issue with toxicity with microbeads. Um, once they're in the water, they can absorb toxic chemicals uh, found in the water. Um, and then again, they get mistaken for food and get eaten by fish and other wildlife. Um, and they said that fish and wildlife of all sizes consume plastic. Um, and there's a lot of serious concerns on the impact that that causes on the aquatic life. Yeah. And like the classic example in the Pacific Ocean is you'll see the picture of the albatross, which is a type of bird. And they eat so much plastic that they feel full, but then they're nutrient deficient because they aren't eating the real food they're just eating plastic and if you have any old healthcare products or uh, beauty products and you wanted to check to see if any of them have microbeads um, check the ingredient list and see if they have polyethylene or polypropylene in them that's usually an indicator that it has some type of microplastics in it i believe most products have already cut it out mm-hmm. at this point yeah i think so um this consumer awareness yeah this was actually i was Something that I was a little impressed with, with how quickly we were able to like say like, oh, this is a problem. We need to stop it. We need to put policy into action to make sure that this doesn't happen because we can already see that there's huge issues with it. Um, and I'm not sh- sure the trend for microbeads didn't happen until like late 2010. Yeah, I know it was during the Obama administration that it yeah. became a huge concern. Yeah, and it really quickly caught on, and everyone was able to identify it as an issue. Um, so that, in that regards, that was pretty cool. Um, it's not the only thing that ends up having an issue, though. Um, some other things that are starting to become a big problem is the, the um, microfibers. Yeah, and I went to a research conference last week in Toronto, the International uh, International Association of Great Lakes Research, IAGLER, and I went to a few talks about plastic pollution, and uh, they were talking about this microfiber pollution. So it's like when you wash your clothes, there's little fibers that break off. And this is becoming a concern because we're ingesting it. Like this website talks about mic- or plastic fibers in tap water in 2017. And there's been studies done where they look at pl- water and plastic bottles, which I know um, Dr. Mason talked about when she came to the Tom Ridge Center. This is uh, Orb Media. Is that the sub website? Yeah. Yeah, orbmedia.com. Uh, and they're, the article's called Invisibles, the Plastic Inside Us. Um, they are a pretty, really nice article online. Like the format's yeah, really nice really too. Interactive. Um, they have lots of videos and everything on it. And they did a study, yeah, worldwide, checking to see whether these microfibers are getting into um, drinking water and to. Uh, 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 you know, like your tap water. Um, and they have some pretty striking imagery too, of some of the plastic issues. Yeah, they have some pictures of like micro, really small organisms. 
mm-hmm. with the plastic pollution in them like this is a, I think it's a Daphnia, uh, or no, it's a pl- tiny plankter's plastic problem. Yes, they have these little plankton with little fibers in them. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a very accessible article. I really recommend it. Definitely go check it out because it was pretty cool. Um, mobile and desktop, both really neat. Yeah, and they have some tips too about what you can do to reduce your plastic use. Because plastic's evil. Yep. Uh, do you want to take a quick break? Sure. So welcome back. <laughs> We're going to talk about garbage in the Pacific. Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean, the great Pacific garbage patch. Yeah, so there are these things called gyres in oceans that are like, basically think of it as like a giant whirlpool. It's like ocean currents that form like a circle, but they're really big. So there's five of these gyres around the world. And so they're notorious for collecting plastic because if you've ever done a whirlpool, like in a small pool when you were a kid you know that all the things collect into the center um so there's an article that i found on cnn about plastic island which is an island that just happens to be near the center of the pacific gyre called midway atoll um so this place is home to has been home to different birds and different organisms but now is also home to tons of plastic which i've watched documentaries about it this article just gives a, an overview so this the island is like a perfect uh thing you can look at to see just how big of an impact we have because there's so much plastic and um, when people go there, they just say it smells awful. And see, the the smell hits you first and catches in your throat. <laughs> the whiff of decay, thousands of birds' bodies rotting. It's like smack dab in between, uh, like Japan, United States, too. It's like mm-hmm. right in the middle of the Pacific, between those two. Yeah, and, um, on, and on this article, it has a little counter that says kilograms of plastic have entered the ocean until you started reading and it's at 329,000. That's almost at 330,000. And you've only had it open, what, for like a few minutes? Yeah, not very long. Um, So then also this article also talks about how the plastic's breaking down and it's getting into fish and the plastic is going up the food chain and a problem is bioaccumulation where like toxic substances, they'll accumulate as they go up the food chain so if there's any sort of toxic substance clinging to these plastic pieces it gets into the fish and then it's getting into whatever eats the fish whether that be a person or a bird and this is a huge this is a huge issue and a lot of people around the world not as much in the u.s as in asian countries they defend or depend on uh, fish for most of their diet too so this is a huge problem and there's so much plastic it's not even like you can't even think about it really it's just so much yeah th- these numbers are so big that you can't really imagine them in your mind because i think they pop up the word the five trillion 
pieces of plastic or something so far. Yeah, it's not even and no one can thinkable. <laughs> no one can imagine a trillion of something. It's it's just such a huge number. Yeah, I know I've done cleanups um on beaches around Lake Erie and it's like you spend four hours cleaning up garbage and you don't even feel like you make a dent and that's not even anywhere close to how much garbage is in the ocean and it's just mind-boggling and sad and scary all at the same time yeah so what are we going to do about it well as I mentioned people are taking individual action to go clean up beaches like international coastal cleanup which is every September um and I actually read a book a couple of years ago about plastic pollution and how people were working on cleaning it up, just like taking bulldozers and excavators and taking all this garbage off beaches. There's also pretty cool inventions being made by innovative people. So there's, let's see, I'm on the ocean cleanup website. So they have this device that they have engineered so the way this works, it's like a boom, which is like, uh, how do you describe a boom? Like it's a, like a screen. Yeah. It's a screen that's shaped in a U. So the plastic is funneled towards the center of this big U-shaped screen. And so it concentrates all this debris on the screen and then people take it out. So this has been worked on it and on their website. They say it's autonomous, energy neutral, and scalable. So... They're going to have to add more of these systems to the, to a gyre and they'll have to figure out how it works. So I don't think they've actually deployed it yet. It's still in the testing stages. Yeah. Our models indicate that, that a full scale system rollout could clean up 50% of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in five years. So. Which would be, that'd be very substantial. Yeah. So this is half half the battles cleaning up all this garbage that's already out there and like if you've ever done a beach cleanup a lot of this garbage is old like i found old toys from like the 1980s that like, i'm like i don't know what character this is because it's not on tv or any anymore so half the battle is cleaning it up and i know some people are very critical of the cleanups but i think it's necessary to clean it up you can't just focus on stopping your plastic use you also need to focus on cleaning up what's already out there because it's going to continue to have an impact yeah it's not that it's still not an issue like you still you need to do as much mitigation as you can mm -hmm. um but there are also uh steps being taken to also turn off the plastic faucet. yeah how do you turn off the plastic tap uh one of the ways that they're trying to do this is with uh the banning of plastic bags, mm -hmm. uh, reducing, uh, and California already does this. And yeah, I think Hawaii did too. Hawaii did too. There's, there's a number of states that already enacted policies to ban plastic bags or require you to mm -hmm. pay for them. I believe if you want to yeah, use them. Yeah, like a tax kind of. Yeah. Um, and this has been pretty effective in a lot of those areas. I know when I went over to California, a lot of people had their reusable bags on them and mm -hmm. everything. You know, just to carry a bag with you and take it home. Because um, bags are, it's something that we that would be pretty easy, I think, for most people to switch over to getting rid of. You mm -hmm. kind of just use them because that's what they've always gave, always gave you. When you bought something, they stuck on a plastic bag, handed it to you. There's, but it really isn't necessary. And then you just go home, take the thing out of the bag, and then. Reuse the bag. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's really interesting how we used to not have this throwaway culture. It used to just be you reused your dishes, you washed things, you used bags that were reusable. Like, they didn't make all these things. And then post-World War II, all these th- the throwaway culture really began. How they were on TV commercials, they were like, why wash dishes when you can throw them away? And it's just a totally different mindset. And I really hope that more people are realizing the error in that sort of thought and that they're going to switch back. And I think we are seeing that in some places, but yeah, I I've seen, you know, places going back to using paper straws and mm-hmm. or paper bags for stuff. Um, you know, instead of having like those, I mean, we at least, I don't really see too many places doing the styrofoam containers. Oh, we, yeah. I think most oh. people learn pretty quickly. Those are pretty bad. Even those that were so ubiquitous in like the 90s and everything. Every just thing just came in a, you know, foam container if you got food or something. Yep. Um, now a lot of those have switched to like cardboard. Um, yeah, I'd say, oops, I hit my mic. But yeah, cardboard's definitely better. Not as good as reusable. But. Yeah. The, and so we're definitely working on steps to try and change that and considering plastic bags um at our the tom ridge environmental center right now there's a plastics pollution solution one small change it's the name of the exhibit that they have there right now um i believe it's only going to be there for most of the summer and then they're probably switching it out to something else in the fall um but one of the uh big striking parts of the exhibit is the the ceiling is just one giant streamer of plastic bags and I had to shout out part of it because I tied part of it together. So (laughs) (laughs) spent a couple of hours just tying plastic bags together that, um, a local elementary school collected them from different stores and from people who had used them and everything. Um, and it's kind of striking to see everything, just this like huge ceiling of plastic bags in front of you. Um, and to be honest, if you go and look up photos of countries that are having really huge problems with plastics, because even here in the United States, we're not actually the worst with using plastics, um, particularly in China and India. They're having a lot of problems with overuse of plastics and single-use plastics. And yeah. some of the photos from those places where they have plastics just washing up on the banks are horrifying. Yeah, or people will just be wading through a whole sea of plastic, and that's their drinking water, and that's... That's awful. That's not good. Yeah. So uh, it is a big issue right now. We're taking some steps to try and solve it, you know, with plastic bag policies and everything and international cleanups. Um, And like kind of what we talked about before with education, I think the plastic thing is becoming and like recycling is becoming a bigger part of your education. Like I remember when I was in elementary school, we had a competition every year to see who could make the coolest thing with uh, stuff that you could either recycle or things I would throw away. I remember one year my dad helped me make a marionette, like a little puppet thing out of cans. And this one girl sewed a bag out of Capri Sun containers. And like I've sewed reusable shopping bags out of dog food bags. And like, it's just fun being creative. So I think that's a great way to get people to think about how they can repurpose things. Yeah. And go out and get your own reusable bags. Yeah. <laughs> Go buy the reusable bags, get plates. If you go to the Salvation Army, you can get a lot of this stuff really cheap. 
Yeah. I, I, I think this is something that people can really do and make some changes. That's that's really not that hard to make some of these changes. Yeah. Shop um, at Aldi because they have. <laughs> yeah, they don't give you bags. We're not so. sponsored by Aldi. I just love them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, look into that. You know, if you do collect bags, I know I, I my parents used to like keep all the bags and stick mm-hmm. them in another bag. Go count how many you have and realize just like yeah. it'll pile up really fast. And you can recycle the plastic bags that yeah. you do have. Um, I know the Walmart by my house has a bin that you can recycle them at. Yeah. So definitely look into it. There's a, there's ways to do it and to help out and not really make really dramatic life changes. It's like, oh, I, I take a bag with me instead of taking home bags. It's, it's not that, that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you in your fear of doing your part to, like, help reduce plastic use, let us know what you do. Yeah. It's an important thing to do. I know I got, I bought a spork that I carry around with me so that I don't have to use plastic silverware. And, like, you can get reusable straws. I mean, a lot of this stuff is kind of expensive. But if you're – if you save them, it's going to end up saving you money to not have to buy the extra things. Yeah. It'll save in the long run. All so. right. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, the Old Growth Podcast is co-hosted by Julie Garen and Eric Dye, and this week's episode is edited by Eric. I'm going to make my own break music by beatboxing. Jurassic World have a lot of plastics in it. Does Jurassic World? Did they have plastics? I don't know if there was like. I don't know. They did have a lot of plastic dinosaurs. (laughs) Well, yeah, there was a lot of running. (laughs) It was mostly running. Running from the bad guys. Oh, spoilers! No spoilers. They were. Oh, spoiler! They were running. (laughs) Spoiler! There's dinosaurs in it. Spoiler! (laughs) Spoiler!